God has, I want you to hear this this morning, God has more for you as a child of God than just coming to church. If this is your highlight of your Christian walk, God has more. God has more for you in your walk with Him than just being on a path going to heaven, you know, kind of getting saved and looking toward heaven and just saying, I'm filling my time. In the meantime, you know, just showing up for church once in a while on Sunday morning. God has more than that. Now, it's, it's, it's dangerous for me to say that because you could be sitting in your chair and could be saying, well, you're kind of devaluing my salvation experience, and I'm not trying to do that in any way. Um, coming to Christ and giving your life to Christ and being born again is is the most important thing in a person's life ever because it is the entrance into having real life both now and for all of eternity. And we've been learning around here that eternity starts the day you, get, you come to Christ as Savior. So that, that is the most important event. But I want you to know today that God has more for you than just getting saved. And I know that's a hard thing to say because you could say, oh, that's the greatest thing. How can it be more? God does have more for you. And especially if you've been around for a very long time, or I can say if you're brand new, God has more for you than just what we say in kind of old terms of saying getting fire insurance. Saying, you know, fire, fire, not going to the fire of hell. So just saying I got fire insurance, so I'm on a path towards eternity with God, eternity now and eternity forever. He's got more for you than just getting saved and then kind of sitting around you know, waiting for your time to exit this world and, and this and filling your life with the same old things that have filled your life from before you ever came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He's got more for you than that. And I want you to understand that to, that's what today is all about. It's about a life of spiritual power and spirit fullness. That's God's plan for your life today. And that's a life of, of challenge, a life of risk, a life of adventure, a life of blessings, a life of being amazed by God. That God's plan for every single child of God is that your life would be more than just going to church. It would be a life of spiritual power and spiritual fullness. And today is all about that. It's a reminder of that because on the church calendar... Who knows what day it is today? Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, and I want to talk about that today. Every day also, as I said, every day out of every month is Missions Month. Every day, every day is Pentecost in God's plan for His church, in the sense that it's a day recognizing the fullness of His Spirit and His Spirit's power in our life. You see, Pentecost Sunday is the day on the church calendar when we celebrate that the Holy Spirit has come into this world to fill us with His power, that we can do so much more in our lives and so much more in this world than we ever could on our own through our own self-effort. And you see, as people, we're really good at self-effort. We work really hard, try really hard, get a lot of stuff done. Throughout Scripture, we see that. and In our lives, we see that. People do a lot of amazing things without God, right? Happens all the time. But God has more for us than that than we could ever accomplish through self-effort. You see, God's plan for you is that you would live every day in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. God has always had a plan for his people 
to be spirit-filled. He's always had a plan for spirit-empowered living to be the norm for the Christian life. And on the day of Pentecost, it was just the, the, the expression of that. The, uh, the word we use is the democratization of that, meaning it became for everybody so that we can all live a life of spirit's power and spirit's fullness. But it's always been God's plan. From the very beginning in the Old Testament, it's always been God's plan for his people, for you and for me, to be filled with his spirit and empowered to do what we can do only through him and not on our own. It's always been his plan. See, all the way back in the Old Testament, we see that God would come upon select people and he would place his spirit upon these select people to accomplish great things for him as they followed him. He would come to a man like Moses and he would place his spirit upon Moses so that Moses could lead Israel from Egypt to the promised land. And think of the story of Moses from, from his initial calling at the burning bush until he's at the edge of the promised land. Think of all the miraculous things that transform, transpired in his life. You know, throwing rods on the ground, they become snakes and parting Red Seas and, and death of firstborn children of, in Israel to set them free and water coming from rocks and manna on the ground and, and all the miracles that took place through Moses' leadership leading the people of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, all those things are because the Spirit of God came upon him to do things that were more than he could do through all of his human effort and all of his human abilities. God has always had this plan that he would place his Spirit upon us. In the Old Testament, we see he would come upon certain people. He came upon people like Saul, the first king of Israel. And he used him supernaturally to lead Israel in victory and in conquest to make Israel a great nation. The power of God's spirit was working in him and through him to do things that he could not do on his own. He was more because he was the spirit came upon him. Think of somebody from the Old Testament like Gideon. When the Spirit of God came upon Gideon, who was a judge of Israel, came upon him so that in many ways, but at one time, the thing we remember him for the most is that he could take an army of only 300 people, 300 men, not even bearing weapons of warfare, and he could challenge an entire army, the Midianite army that was almost innumerable, and 300 guys could beat an entire army. Friends, that was miraculous, and it was more than he could do through self-effort, and it was all because the Spirit of the Lord had come upon them, upon him. All of these people did extraordinary things because of God's spirits leading in their lives. They listened to the voice of the Lord. It was the Spirit of God speaking. And that's a key to spiritfulness. They listened to what God was saying, and they, they took time to listen. They listened to it, and they, and, they, and they obeyed what the Spirit of the Lord said. God did extraordinary things because of the Spirit's leading them and then working through them. And the verse we think of from the Old Testament that talks about this, moreness, is not by might, not by power, but by thy Spirit, saith the Lord. And that's been always in in. Pentecostal church has been a, a hallmark verse that says it's all about more. There's, we can do more as God fills us. So in the Old Testament, God would come upon these individual people. And in the Old Testament, God gave a promise. He gave a promise to his church, and we are his church thousands of years later. 
He gave a promise in Scripture, and he said that one day he would not just place his spirit upon a a select few. You didn't have to just be Moses or Gideon, that he would not just place his spirit upon a select few, but he would pour out his spirit upon all of God's people, all those who follow him. The prophet Joel said this. 400 years before Jesus ever took place, stepped on the earth, the prophet Joel said this. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bondservants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Joel said it. Um, in, in the book of Joel, and then it's repeated in Acts chapter 2, saying, I will pour my spirit. Joel looked forward to a day when God would make his spirit-empowered, spirit-filled living available to everyone who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior, and not anymore just put his spirit upon a select few. Well, I have some good news for you today, church. That day that Joel promised came. A lot of times we live as though it didn't. But that day came to fulfill that promise. You see, just after Jesus had gone to the cross, he had died, been buried, he rose from the get dead, and after he ascended into heaven, his followers were gathered together doing something interesting. They were waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Jesus told them to do. He said, this is what I want you to do. Go to Jerusalem, gather together. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have received the promise from the Father, which he says is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 tell us that. So they were waiting, and it says something. It says, and the day of Pentecost came. Now, when we read that, kind of knowing hindsight, we think of that as, oh, the day the Holy Spirit was all part. But that wasn't exactly what he's referring to there. He was talking about, and as they're together waiting, the day of Pentecost came. The day of Pentecost, they understood, it was a Jewish holiday. All of a sudden, as they're waiting, on their calendar, this Jewish holiday comes, the day of Pentecost. It was the Pentecost celebration, this Jewish holiday Um, That came 50 days after the Passover, and thus the name Penta. What's the Pentagon? How many sides does the Pentagon have? Five. And so Penta, meaning five, for 50 days later, the day of Pentecost comes, and it was a celebration of of the beginning of the offering of the first fruits of their harvest. They'd take it to the temple. You know what's interesting about giving? I was thinking this, Pastor Mitch, as you were taking offering. Pentecost was a celebration of giving. It was not begrudging. It was one of the three main Jewish remembrances every year, celebrations where they'd go to Jerusalem and they would celebrate giving. They would celebrate bringing in their first fruits of their harvest to the temple. And so this day of harvest celebration comes and they were these people were all bringing their offerings to God, thanking him for an abundant harvest, And on that very strategic day, God poured out his spirit upon his followers in a way that had never happened before. On that day, all those who had gathered together, who were following after him, were filled with his spirit, and it wasn't just for a select few. Grab your Bibles and let's look at that today, because I want you to see something that maybe you haven't seen before. Acts chapter 2. 
I think you might have an aha moment in a moment. You're going to understand why Pentecost Sunday, the best time to have Pentecost Sunday is during our missions month. Acts chapter 2. Let's just look, read the first four verses. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had come, and Pentecost is what did we say? A harvest celebration for all of Israel. They're celebrating the harvest. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. These are Jesus' disciples. And suddenly, and they're there because Jesus had said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're there and they're waiting. And the day of Pentecost comes on the calendar. And it says, verse 2, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, my Bible all is underlined, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. We'll stop right there. I want to make a connection for you here. Hopefully have an an aha moment that you haven't thought of before. You see, there is a connection that I want you to make. And here's a question in order to make that connection. What did Jesus, or why rather, did Jesus pour out the Holy Spirit upon all of his followers on that particular day, the day of Pentecost? Why was it, do you think, that Jesus would have chose the day of Pentecost as the day that he'd fulfill his promise that he had said way back in Moses' time, Joel had reaffirmed it, the church was waiting for it, his followers were sitting there saying, we can't leave Jerusalem until we receive it. Why on the day of Pentecost, this Jewish holiday, would he choose to pour out his spirit upon all his followers? Well, there's a very real reason for it. Because Pentecost was a celebration of abundant harvest. And the reason God fills his followers with his spirit is to bring an abundant harvest of souls. It's the reason. It's the main reason that God fills people with his Holy Spirit. That's exactly what scripture says. It was no accident that God poured out the spirit on his spirit on all flesh on Pentecost because he was making a statement. He was saying, I'm going to fill you with my spirit so that you can bring in a large harvest of souls into my kingdom, that you can do more now than you could have done through self-effort. That's why he chose the day of Pentecost. And friends, that's exactly what Jesus said would be the outcome of the Spirit's coming upon his church in fullness and power. Look in your Bible at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look what it says. It's, It's waiting for that day to come. It's waiting for that fulfillment. And what does it say? Not Mark's words, not church's words, Jesus' words. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my what? My witnesses. What's a witness? Somebody who tells about Jesus to another person who doesn't know Jesus yet. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Friends, God poured his spirit out upon his church to empower her to take his message to the corners of the earth, to everyone on the globe. Friends, the outpouring of the spirit at Pentecost is all about missions. That's what it's about. And you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what you shall do that you could not do through self-effort is you shall be witnesses of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life around the globe. That's what God says in his word. He said that's why he'd pour out his spirit. He did not pour out his spirit so a group of Christians can get together and shake and quake and, and, uh, and have an emotional response. Not that some of that stuff doesn't really happen. But that's not why he poured out his spirit. His word says the reason he poured out his spirit is evangelism. It is the reason God says that he poured out his spirit. So the spirit-filled life is primarily about God empowering us to accomplish his mission, which he tells us very clearly in the word what his mission is. His mission is to seek and to save the lost. You see, empower us. Empower, he empowers us with his spirit um, with the same, get this, with the same and even more of the signs and the wonders and the miraculous things that Moses and Saul and Gideon experienced as they were being used of God to expand his kingdom. Those signs and wonders that come, come on us so that the kingdom can be expanded just like it was in their lives and even more. And friends, with this being the case, what I want to talk about Today, what I want you to get today and for the rest of our time together is this. If that's the outcome and we agree with the outcome, then what is a spirit-filled life? What is it really so that we can live it and so that God can do more through us than we could ever do on our own? What is a spirit-filled life? Because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of what a spirit-filled life is, both outside of churches who believe in being spirit-filled and inside churches that relish and, and want to be spirit-filled. See, here's the truth that I want you to understand today. Okay, you're going to love me after this statement? You love me? Okay. Here's the truth I want you to get. You can be a Christian, born again, and not live a spirit-filled life. Matter of fact, I would say a huge portion of the Christian world is born again and not living the spirit-filled life. I really believe that. You can be saved from your sins and you need to, I want you to, you know saying, I say this once in a while, you put your thinking cap on. I want you to follow me here because my fear is that somebody's going to turn me off right away and misunderstand what I'm saying. So follow the thinking to the end, okay? You can be saved from your sins and on your way to heaven, which is the result of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, Correct? It is, because we know that's how you come to salvation, by the activity of the Holy Spirit. He draws us, and he saves us, and he washes us clean of sin. So you can be saved from your sins, and on your way to heaven, which is the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, yet not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at one example of that in Scripture, and there are many. But grab your Bible, turn a few pages further from Acts 2 to Acts 8. We're just going to look at one story of where this is very evident, one of the clearest places it's evident in Scripture. I challenge you later in the day to go through and read all of Acts 8 so you really get the full picture because we're just going to read a few verses here. Acts 8, starting in verse 14, it's the story of Philip the evangelist going to, um, to uh, an area and preaching the go- to some area and preaching the gospel to people who the Jews themselves didn't even believe could be saved because they weren't Jews. And they're kind of the, the next area out the next people group out and this is what happens halfway through the story verse 14 
It says, and now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we see going on here? What does this text say? It says these were Christian people. How do you know? It says they had received the word of God first. And what do we understand about receiving? To receive, if I offer Brett something, he has it. When he takes it, he receives it, right? So they've received the word of God. um, And it says because they've received the word of God, they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. They went down to the waters of baptism. They were dunked under the water and brought back up. That's what that was happened. They had been, they believed it, received it, and believed it so much, acted out on it that they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. They were saved. A lot of times in our lives, we think, "I got there. That's that's the that's the climax." I've been I received Christ and I've been baptized in water, and that means I've arrived. Friends, you've only stuck your toe in the water at that point. I'm serious. You've just stuck your toe in the water at that point. Because here's these people, they're Christian people, they had received the word of God, and they'd been baptized in the name of Jesus, and they were saved, and yet, and we know that salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So they have the Holy Spirit. We can't say the Holy Spirit's not active in their lives. They have the Holy Spirit, or, not, or else they could not be saved, but yet they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John go down to Samaria, and it says they lay their hands on them, and they pray, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the people at Pentecost had just been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And so now they're saved and Spirit-filled. Now, I want to explain how this can be, because I believe there's all kinds of confusion about this. I really do. And I think the ones, probably the ones with the greatest confusion about this are people who claim to understand and believe the spirit-filled life. I really do. So, so just try to follow what I'm saying because I really believe that's what God has for us today. How can someone have the Holy Spirit in their life, because we say they can't be saved without that, and yet not be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's what you have to understand. You have to understand this foundational truth about about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, understand today, is a person. In in this sense, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. We often refer to the Holy Spirit as a thing. Like he's a commodity. He's something. He's a person in the sense that he has mind, emotion, and will. That's how he's described in Scripture. He's one-third of the Trinity. He is God himself. He has personality. That's a description of a personality. He's not a thing that can be given out in measure, in parts. He's, he's, you can't, he can't be divided up. So what I mean by this is you can't have just a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You can't just have a little bit of him and then have a little bit more of him and a little bit more of him until you're filled up and start to overflow. That's not, that doesn't make sense if he's a person. He's not a commodity. He's not a thing that can be divided up. He's not like milk. 
that you can pour in a glass, pour a little bit, a little a commodity, pour some in, pour some more in, pour some more in, and then he's full. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. He can't be divided up. So when a person comes to Christ, the full Holy Spirit is present and active when a person gets saved. That's why things like age and ability and education don't hinder the Holy Spirit's ability to minister through a person. So a child can pray for someone to be healed and they get healed because they have the full Holy Spirit in relationship with them, not a junior Holy Spirit, not part of the Holy Spirit. And that's why a person with limited IQ or limited education can speak great spiritual truth when the Holy Spirit gives them wisdom because it's about the full Holy Spirit in relationship with them. You don't get a little bit of the Holy Spirit at salvation. But here's the crux. But... The Holy Spirit can get just a little bit of you at salvation. That's the difference. You don't get just a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can get just a little bit of you if that's all you surrender to him. You see, the longer I live, the more I believe that spirit fullness is tied to surrender. When you get saved, you come into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not a commodity. He's not a thing. You come into relationship with a person. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have him occupy more of you. Does that make sense? To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have him occupy more of you, to give him more room in your life, to give him more control over your life and your decisions. It's for you to be in a more intimate relationship with the Spirit of God than you were before. Does that make sense? See, Scripture uses terms to describe what this relationship of fullness is like. It uses terms like baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a term that Jesus used, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And think about what that means. That means to be fully enveloped, fully embraced. I think of it this way, kind of like hugged completely by the Holy Spirit. You know, when John love hugs you, and God and the Holy Spirit's a whole lot bigger, but when John hugs you, he embraces you. He's, it's full, you know? And it kind of in a sense, that's what's going on. It's, it's, it's him coming and having all of you. That's, the, the picture is to be, to be enveloped fully when you're spirit full. Scripture uses terms like filled. And filled means to be occupied in all areas. Not just some areas. Occupied in all areas. You see, to be spirit-filled, you come to the Lord and you surrender yourself fully to the Holy Spirit. It's to ask Him to come into your life fully and to guide you in all areas and to direct you in all areas. And it's, in essence, this. It's completely handing over the controls to the Spirit of the Lord and saying, I'm not driving anymore. You're completely steering the ship. You see, as a Christian, this is the truth. You can either ignore or embrace the Holy Spirit. You can ignore the Holy Spirit in your life. And a lot of times that goes on. Or you can embrace in the sense of opening up your arms and hugging him back. I can ignore him. Listen, you know how you can ignore the Holy Spirit? All of those out there like me who love to make plans. 
Got it all figured out. Suzanne, who has a list, that the first thing on the list says, make list. And it does. Your list. Make list. It's not bad. It's a personality type. I'm awful glad for it. Those of us especially who tend to be more um, rigid, more structured, listen, I can ignore the Holy Spirit by having my plans for my day and my life. And you know what? It can be like this even. It can be my plan is to spend my whole day praying when that might not be God's plan for your day at all. That's me being controlling my life and not letting the Spirit of the Lord control my life. You say, well, how could that be? Because God just might want to use you to expand his kingdom that day. And so I can ignore him by having my plans for my day and my life, never really asking him to take control of my life or asking him to set my agenda and direct my path and my life. Just getting up and saying, I know what this day is going to hold. He's like, I got it all planned out. Not giving God any, not giving God the controls. That's a, that's a mark-controlled life, not a spirit-controlled life. That's a self-controlled life, not a spirit-controlled life. See, God wants to fill us with his spirit. He does that when we ask him. Scripture says, just ask. That's exactly what it says in the Gospel of Luke about receiving the Holy Spirit. It says, ask. And he won't give you something false. He said he won't give you if a father asks for a, his child asks for a bread, he won't give him a rock, will he? He says in the same way, ask for the Holy Spirit and God will give you the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with his spirit. He does that when we ask him to. And what we are asking for is for him to come and to fully occupy us, no holding back. For him to come and steer the ship. So that he occupies all of us completely. That's being filled with the Spirit. Now, that making sense so far? Okay, let's apply it now to why Jesus said, because this is going to be a challenge for some of you, why Jesus said the Spirit's fullness is all about evangelism and why you can't then say we had great move of God and no one got saved. It's impossible. I don't care how much people said they experienced manifestations of God. It's not spirit fullness if people don't come to Christ. And this is why. Let's apply it. When we give ourselves to the Spirit's control, we're saying, you're driving, you're in charge. I want you to occupy all of me. I want you to set my agenda today. I'm opening, I'm listening for your voice. So that you can be like Moses and say, Moses, take this staff and throw it on the ground in front of, in front of a Pharaoh and it turns into a snake. We love, as Pentecostals say, yeah, we're all about the stick turning into a snake. Woo! Signs and wonders. Isn't that great? But how, why did that happen? Because he was occupied by God and he was listening for the voice of God. The Spirit was speaking to him. If he would have had his agenda, he never would have had that happen. Because he would have just said, well, I know how to do it. I'll go and I'll kill a pharaoh, an Egyptian and bury him under the sand. Oh, he did that, didn't he? And it didn't work when he was Moses-controlled. When we give ourselves to the Spirit's control, we live our lives asking what God wants for that day for us, because I'm responsible for me, and then listening for his directions and following what he says and where he leads and what he speaks into my heart. So we ask the Holy Spirit, things like this. 
in accomplishing the mission of God. We say things like this every day. Lord, who should I tell about Jesus today? And we listen to his voice. And we look for his opportunities. That's fulfilling the mission of God. If you were here two weeks ago and Robert McKay spoke about the husband and the wife who every single day of their life decided they would always listen for God for a, for a um, divine appointment. What a phenomenal story. Challenging story when he said they got home after traveling all day and the wife says to the husband, wait, we didn't have a divine appointment today. And she, and she says to him, I'm going to do this, but you're going to go out and have our divine appointment. And he walks down the street and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him and says, go talk to that angry looking man with a turban on his head. Right? And the angry looking man with a turban, when he says, uh, I'm here to tell you what Jesus goes, what took you so long? I've been waiting all day. God told me to come here and wait for a Christian. And he shares it with Christ and the guy gets saved. Spirit filling, spirit fullness, spirit occupation. You wake up and you say, God, who should I tell about Jesus today? And you listen for his voice. And you look for his opportunities. That's being on mission with God. That's why spiritfulness is tied to taking the gospel to all the world. You ask things like this. You ask the Holy Spirit every day. Where do you want me to go today? Where do you want me to go? You say, well, well, Mark, that's unreasonable. I've got work today. I'm not saying don't go to work. I'm not saying if you're committed to work, you don't go to work. But when you're at work, you ask yourself for the rest of your whole day, God, when I'm here, where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Instead of just making your own plans six months out, eight months out, a year out, knowing that God may send you to someone who needs to hear about the Lord. Doing that is being spirit-filled and being on mission with God. It's being willing to say, when I have plans to go fishing, and God says, that's not what I want for you today, of saying, you know what? I just sense in my spirit, God is saying I should do this. Does that make me not whine about it? Oh, yeah, I still whine. <laughs> I tried not to, but that guy, remember the story from Robert McKay? The guy whined about it. Because he's like, I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. It's 11, what do you say, 1130 at night, I think. So I've been traveling all day. I'm exhausted. He said, no, 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 I got to go. He's saying, God, where do you want me to go today? Being spirit-filled is the crux of it, the occupation of it, is we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to give today? How do you want me to give to a need today? Knowing that everything, everything is His that's under my control. And we want to be led by Him in directing the resources that He's entrusted to us. And so we say, God, direct me how to use those resources. In light, of, in light of Missions Month, that's why I said to you the last couple of weeks, go home and pray. Ask God. That's why I don't, in, I don't try to stir you up. I could do that. Believe me, it's easy. I can stir you up by emotions. And, you know, I could have got you, get you all lathered up and go, no, we've got to reach the world for Jesus. Give, and you'll do it, and then you won't follow through. Because you heard Mark speak, not the Holy Spirit speak. Here's what I found. The Holy Spirit will usually speak about more than I will. He'll usually challenge you to do greater things than I ever will. Why? Because you will do more under the leadership and fullness of the Holy Spirit than you will under self-effort. So spirit fullness says, Lord, how do you want me to give 
today. And you know what he did? I promise you this is what he does. If you are bold enough to ask that question, and here's the question, are you bold enough to ask it? Or are you satisfied just having your toe in the water? You'll never experience the miraculous. You'll be completely self-controlled. And guess what? You'll go to heaven. But you won't live the life and you won't have the rewards and glory that God wants you to have that are a result of being spirit-filled. God will challenge you to do more than you can do on your own because he wants to prove to you that by his spirit fullness, he can do greater things through you than ever could happen through your self-effort. Being spirit-filled, we ask, Lord, as I go to work today, as I go to school today, as I go to church today, you come to church this morning thinking, Lord, as I go to church today, would you speak to me so that I am doing what you want me to do, accomplishing your mission, not mine. And you walk into the church, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you, and he says, I know you've always sat right here, Mark, but today I want you to sit over here. Because, I'm teasing with you, because this lady might be brand new in the church and never have heard about Jesus, and she walked in and she thought she went somewhere else or whatever happened, and God might use me to bring her to know Jesus, or that person needs a word of encouragement, and God might use me to do it, but if I don't listen, because I say, but no, my plan is to go there and sit right there and, and spend time with the same people. Now, don't all get freaked out on me, and next week I'll sit in different places. <laughs> because I won't know who's missing then and who's here. But I'm saying, listen to God. Spirit fullness wakes up in the morning and says, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want today? Speak to me so that I am doing what you want. I learned a lot about this from, from Dr. Jack Hayford, going two different times to uh, some master's classes with him, but they're, they're in usual classes week long. You spend 12 hours a day with this man who's been one of the, the champions of the faith forever, um, one of the greatest spiritual leaders in our nation. And um, watching as he would, he would say something, he'd say, well, the Spirit told me, I'd say, Dr. Jack, how do you know God just said that? It's not just some idea in your head. And he would say, well, Mark, why would God, why would I just have the thought in my head to go talk with that guy and ask him that question? He says, I've just learned that's just the voice of the Lord. And he said, I've just cultivated and I've learned that's the voice of the Lord. So after influencing with him the last couple of years, I've spent time trying to say all the time, when I hear those, try to act on it. You know what I found? It's never been wrong. I act on that still small voice and I go, holy cow. God just did something bigger than I could ever do. Why? Not because I was dancing around speaking in tongues, but because I listened to the voice of the Lord. Now, like Paul, I speak in tongues more than you all. I, that's not probably true, but I do speak in tongues all the time. I pray in the Spirit. But that's not what it's about. That's part of it. It's about a spirit fullness that guides our paths every single day so that God will challenge you to do things bigger and greater than you can do on your own. Some of you are so frustrated with your Christian life. You go, this stinks. I got Because you view it as living by rules. You're living like this. Toes in the water. I really want to be over there. God's saying, I got so much more for you. I just want you to be occupied by my spirit. I want you to be filled with my spirit. So we ask the Lord, Lord, as I go to school today, work today, church today, I want to be open. I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to me so that I am doing what you want me to do. And here's what I've always found. It always dovetails with his mission, not mine. What I find is life following his mission is infinitely more exciting 
than ever life following my plans. It's more exciting, it's more rewarding, it's more fulfilling. It's more scary, it's more risky, it's more unsettled, and it's less planned in my book. But it's the life God intends for his church. Here's what you will find as you live your life like this. God will direct you. By the Spirit, he will speak to you. And he will direct you to join him in accomplishing his mission, not yours, because his mission is so much better. He will speak to you about what to give. He'll speak to you about, about who to talk to. He will speak to you about what to say. He'll go, you have this thing. I should go encourage that person. I should just go ask that person, how are you doing? You ask them, and they go, and they start crying. You go, didn't see that one coming. Guess what? You didn't. He did. Because he's the one accomplishing the mission. His mission is to seek and to save the lost. So he's on a seeking mission and he's going, this person out here is ready to know me. But if, if Mark would just stop doing his own thing and listen to me, I want to direct him 10 feet to the side in the grocery store to just say, how are you today? So that lady can blubber and cry. And, and she go, I'm sorry, I never do this, but I don't know what's going on. And go, oh, that's the spirit of the Lord. God sent me over here. That's a spirit-filled life. He will speak to you about what to give, where to go, what to say. He will give you words of knowledge to speak to people about their lives. God will say to you, you know what? This is going on in that person's life. Go say it to them. Oh, that one's, that one's no fun a lot of times. You Understand this, you only do things in love and you never say, thus saith the Lord. You don't. The church has messed that up forever. You say, this is what I always say, and I'm not the master at it, but I'm trying to get better at it. You say this, Brett, I kind of feel like the Lord said that I should tell you this. And this is what I think. Now, if that makes sense, embrace it. If not, disregard it. Because we're not trying to be God to the person. We're trying to be God's mouthpiece, and God's already speaking to them in their lives. So we're just helping them along the path as he's seeking them to save them and to help them to grow and mature. He will give you words. He will prompt you to pray for people when you're sitting on a plane, you're riding on a bus for them to be healed or delivered or come to know Christ, and you're saying this. I go on the planes and I go, God, please, don't make me talk to anybody. You go, you go, Mark, you talk to everybody. You don't know. I like to not talk. It's my job. And I was like, I just really want to just either read this book or rest or whatever. And if I'm sitting there, all of a sudden I go, God says, talk to that person. You know what you do? You talk to that person. Because God's got a plan bigger than yours. He's more interested in them, seeking them and finding them and bringing them into the kingdom than you resting or reading a book. See, as we're spirit-filled, he will minister through you to join him in his mission of seeking and saving the lost. Acts 1.8 says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Samaria and Judea and even to the ends of the earth. When they wrote that, friends, Wisconsin was as far at the ends of the earth as you could go. No one would have imagined a place like this. We're at the remote, from their perspective, 2,000 years ago, the most remote part of the world. 
And God has been taking spirit-filled people to, to bring his kingdom to every corner of the world to seek and to save the lost. A spirit-filled life is a life on mission with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we close today, what I want to do, I'm going to close by praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit like Peter and John did when they went to Samaria and they laid hands on the people and they were already Christians and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would just say this, you know if you're living a self-filled life or a spirit-filled life. You know. I just believe God wants to fill you to, an, to overflowing, to occupy all of you. It's about surrender, to empower you to live an overcoming and abundant life, a life of spiritual power that comes from a life of surrender. And what I'm going to do, because I know we have stuff going on afterwards, I'm going to just pray in closing. And when you ever feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, you are welcome to go out to the BGMC breakfast and have a blessed day. But after I'm done praying, if you want to just stay and you want to pray, we want people to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit or refill with the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to challenge you to come forward to the front. We're going to surrender ourselves to the Spirit's control and just believe God to do. He said, just ask and he'll do it. So stand with me this morning and let's pray together. Before we pray, Pastor Bruce, if you're free, if you don't have to run, can you come forward and pray to people if you have time? I should have asked you before church. You may have plans, but if you can. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you, your plan for us is a life of excitement, of experience, it's beyond just head knowledge. It's a life of, of spirit empowerment going so much further than, than just getting saved. And God, I know that sounds unbelievable to say just getting saved because getting saved is the most miraculous miracle on the planet. But it's just a doorway into a life of spirit fullness that you want. And God, I'm afraid so often we get in and we get stuck. But you want more to give us more in the spirit. God, we obsess with more of the world stuff. We say it out in the world, we've talked about it recently, that enough is just a little bit more. And we say how wrong that is in the world stuff. But God is exactly right when it comes to a spiritual life. I'm saying I want more of the real thing. I want more of the real deal. I want more of a surrendered life to Jesus than I've ever had before. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to, I want to be in such, a, in such a situation, God, that you occupy me. You occupy every nick and cranny and corner of my life. And God, we know this. The way that happens is that we surrender. In essence, we spread wide open our arms and we say, there's nothing hidden. It's all yours. God, even though I know it's difficult because I do have my own agendas, but God, I want to, uh, I want to surrender my agenda to you. I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want more.